Let's pray together. Through the written word and the spoken word, may we know Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. Well, there seems to be light at the end of the tunnel. The government's sticking to its roadmap, and various restrictions are gradually being eased. And some countries are now on the green list for travel, just not America. Uh, so Mr. and Mrs. Miles are not that happy at the moment. Even looks like MCHW's big switch is on target, and we hope to have our first in-person services in just a few weeks. And we pray that we'll be able to celebrate Pentecost together in the Great Hall. Do you remember that place? <laughs> At last, we're making progress against the fight against the pandemic. And soon we'll be able to meet with our friends and our families to eat, drink and be merry. A time to party. Fantastic. Yet the recovery process is going to take a long while. Globally, economically, socially and mentally. People are speaking about us being at a pivot point in history, and how we respond is going to be crucial. And I believe things are never going to be the same. The pandemic is leaving more than death in its wake. Lockdowns, social distancing and isolation has all taken its toll. There's going to be grief, poverty, unemployment, relationship breakdowns, abuse, untreated cancers, a host of health issues. I don't want to depress you, but it's the reality. And it's very significant that Monday is the start of Mental Health Awareness Week. Before the pandemic, one in four people in England experienced a mental health problem. But during lockdown, more than a half of adults and two-thirds of young people have said that their mental health got worse. We all know there'll be a need for a political and a global response. But what's our individual response going to be? What might God be saying to his church at this time? Sir Winston Churchill once said these words, to each there comes in their lifetime a special moment when they are figuratively tapped on the shoulder and they're offered the chance to do one very special thing, unique to them and fitted to their talents. What a tragedy if that moment finds them unprepared or unqualified for that which could have been their finest hour. I'm currently reading a book by Jared Cooper, who leads Revive Church in Hull and East Yorkshire. In fact, it may be that Lansford uh, knows him. And it's a book called The Divine Reset, and it's about positioning our lives for the new era. Cooper considers whether spiritually there's a time of greater fruitfulness, harvest, or transformation coming. As we make progress against this pandemic, I'm sure there's going to be lots of partying ahead of us, and I'll be there. But I want to call you to prayer before we do anything. A call to a more intimate discipleship with the Lord. You see, the celebrations and the parties will give us a boost for a while, but they're simply masking that underlying brokenness that many are feeling. There are still so many issues that need to be dealt with. And Jesus, I believe, is the one who can lead us to the Father and restore our souls. 
The theologian Karl Rahner suggested some things, some things are not understood by grasping, but allowing oneself to be grasped. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus calls those listening to him, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Allow me to grasp you. At the time, Jesus' followers were burdened by the yoke of the Torah, the Jewish law. They needed to put their trust in Jesus. He was the one who could reveal the Father to them and to us. The scribes and the Pharisees, though, were wise and conceited. They'd perhaps come too concerned about being seen to do the right thing rather than getting to know the one who knew their hearts and needed their hearts. You see, Christianity isn't about a moral code. It's a love affair. And I urge you, never think you know it all. Don't put your trust in your religiosity or your past experiences of Christ, but turn to the Lord afresh and in humility, especially at this time. When we eventually return to our church buildings, our baggage and our old ways could become too heavy for us, I believe. In the new era that's to come, let's not return to yokes that we're not meant to be bearing. We may need to shed some things that we've been doing for a long while to enable our church life to become lighter and more responsive to Jesus' calling. Also, we may know loads of stuff about Christianity and salvation. We may think we're a good Methodist and we've got it all in place. But the real question is, how well do you know Jesus? Are you listening for his voice today? Are you receiving from our Father through him that word that we need to hear today? You see, Christianity shouldn't be a dull affair. It's more than a liturgical calendar and our methodical meetings and our routine. Essentially, our faith is about one thing, the living presence of Christ, the Son of God, in our lives. G.K. Chesterton argued, Christianity hasn't been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Somehow we find it difficult to foster that relationship. And we're not nurturing it with the Lord. In our gospel lesson, it was as though the truth of Jesus was hidden from the Pharisees. But the disciples had the spirit of little children, thirsty for spiritual milk of the kingdom. And it's also interesting that the word yoke in the Old Testament is usually a symbol of rulership. Uh, the animal that wasn't under anybody's control was unbroken. It had never been yoked. It had never submitted. Remember how when Israel was under the yoke of oppression, when freed from slavery under Pharaoh, there was reference to breaking the bars of the yoke. They were liberated from Pharaoh's rule. So when Jesus asked people to accept his yoke, 
He was actually asking them to recognize his kingship. Their relationship with him should lead them to submission, submission to the kingdom of God, heaven's reign on earth through Jesus. If Jesus is ruling your life today, he will be with you through all things, and he will be in all things. However you're feeling today, he is with you, and he can help carry your burdens and even deal with them in time by his Spirit. The problem was, at that time, those listening to the Lord would have understood uh, things differently. The disciples would have understood that taking my yoke upon you meant that Jesus was to be, uh, they were to allow themselves to be loved by him and to become like him. The Pharisees weren't seeing it that way. If you're weary today, if you are burdened, then hear Jesus calling you. Come to me. Lay down your burdens, including your mental health, with honesty and trust, and open yourself to the power of Christ the healer, and trust that he can be at work in your life. And remember that he can use you in your brokenness. He uses wounded healers to make a difference in the world. Don't wait until you feel everything's okay before you serve. And I think if we allow our souls to breathe, we find that inner healing. We're best placed to experience Jesus' love for us. And boy, does he love you, despite everything. And if we pause and find that intimacy with him, we'll be better able to hear the voice which is telling us what we must do today, individually, as a church. And we will become more flexible and responsive as his people. Now, in the past, St. Paul was confident with his, about his Hebrew identity. But his encounter with Jesus changed everything. But Paul, when that change comes, doesn't turn his back on Judaism. It's simply what he has in Christ matters much more than what he had before. It was something that was available to all, Jews and Gentiles alike. So he, he actually takes it further. Philippians 3, verse 8, What is more, I consider, consider everything loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Or in the words of Graham Kendrick, sums it up, knowing you, Jesus, there is no greater thing. In the context of this passage uh, about Paul, Paul stands firm against those who were placing burdens upon the Gentile disciples. He urged that if they didn't, that they didn't have to first become Jews. Faith in Christ was all that mattered. And so I want to say to you, if you think you're in a mess, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He is our healer and our enabler. Don't let the church even put burdens on that. 
He loves you to bits and he wants to liberate you. And I want to close with an image which I think is so helpful to me. Do you remember Jesus walking on the water and calling Peter to come to him? And Peter gets out of the boat and he walks towards the Lord with enthusiasm, but then he takes his eye off Jesus. He becomes more concerned with the wind and the waves and everything about him. And that becomes a weight. His fear becomes a weight. And he starts to sink rather than offering it to the Lord. But Peter's relationship is such that even when he feels his sinking, he cries out, Lord, save me. And the Lord reached out and caught him. And the wind ceased. And you know what they did? They ended up worshipping the Lord in the boat together. Yes, let's party. Let the Lord catch us and let's celebrate, but first let's keep our eyes on him. Listen to the, for that call to intimate discipleship, for I believe it's only a radical encounter with Jesus that will enable our souls to find rest. And in the future, he will lead us to safety, the safety of God's coming kingdom. Amen.